And then the last key, Stuart, is you take all that information from keys one to nine and you package it together and you go, now I know how to invest. Now I know how to earn. Now I know how to uh, pay off debt and use debt. Um, and now I'm going to set a goal. And so I believe that when you tie all those things together, you can predict when you're going to become a millionaire plus or minus one year. Welcome to Money Vision U. In this podcast, we are passionate about teaching the financial class you should have had in high school so you can learn how to fast track your financial freedom. If you want to learn how to make, manage, and multiply your money and see opportunities the way the wealthy do, then you came to the right place. I'm your host, Stuart Berryhill. Money Vision U, class in session. Welcome to another episode of Money Vision U. Today we have Tony on the podcast with us who is going to help us actually strategize how to create our millionaire plan just like he did for himself. So with that being said, everyone wants to be a millionaire. So with that being said, Tony, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, Stuart. Appreciate it. Yeah. And just to continue your bio here, you know, Give it in your own words of kind of your story, your financial journey, because obviously it's a financial podcast. So we want to hear your bio of how you started thinking the way you do about money and maybe kind of what was a spark for you. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I think like a lot of Americans, you know, 70, 80 percent of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. I grew up the same way, you know, bouncing checks. I didn't bounce the checks. My parents did. Um uh, you know, water getting cut off, power getting cut off, bills not getting paid, a lot of money stress in the house at different times. Uh, my mom worked, you know, 80 to 100 hours a week. She was a convenience store manager. And uh, because that that industry is so tough, there's a lot of turnover. And she was managing like three different convenience stores at one time, working 100 hours a week. You know, I never saw her for a period of time. And uh, mm-hmm. if if that wasn't hard enough, she got robbed by gunpoint about six different times as a, as a convenience wow. store manager working late nights. So uh, my dad, on the other hand, uh, dropped out of school when he was about 10th grade. He had to support himself. They had a you know a really bad family structure, a lot of alcoholism on uh, both sides of my, my parents' families, a lot of dysfunction uh, in the family. And uh, I was fortunate that my parents didn't, you know, carry a lot of that with them uh, into our family. So they were pretty much over most of it, I think. But, we, you know, still there's scars and things. But, yeah, my dad, uh, you know, he he didn't go to college. My mom went took a, maybe a year or two of college. And so we we didn't really know how to manage money. So small wonder when I became uh, an adult and wasn't managing money very well either. So the the mm-hmm. good news for me was. Um, you know, I graduated with an engineering degree. My mom really pushed me to to finish school. One time I tried to drop out of college, take a break. You know, I've been at it for a while. Let me take a break. She said, that's fine. You can take a break, but you're going to pay me $800 a month in rent mm. if you do that. And I did the math. You know, I'm like, ah, I go make this much money, work this much, make uh, $1,000 a month or 1200 bucks a month back then and pay her eight. That didn't sound like a really good deal. So that was a, a lot of motivation for me to finish college and stay in school. And so my, my mom was a, a wise woman in that aspect. I finished up. But when I got out of school, got my engineering job, I made uh, my first year out of school with a real job. I made $39,000. I was doing about $12 an hour, worked a lot of overtime. 
And I got that first W two man, Stuart. And I looked at that thing and I was like, Holy crap. Like, where did all that money go? Because I'm, <laughs> you know, I got a car note, $300 a month. I got a credit card debt. You know, I got about 500 bucks in the bank. And I took inventory, man. I looked around my studio bedroom apartment. I was paying my mom and dad some rent, about 200 bucks. So they were very generous to me. Let me keep most of my money. And uh, and it just didn't add up. You know, I'm like, wow, I got all this debt. I made all this money. Something's wrong with this picture. And and so I started trying to figure out what was wrong. And I went to the bookstore. I like to read a lot and like to learn as much as I could about different topics. So for me, at that point, I knew there was a problem that needed to be solved. That's what engineers do. They solve problems. And uh, that was the problem at hand. So I started reading and then put together what I call my millionaire plan. I figured out, you know, debt's debt's a bad thing if you use it the wrong way. And so I'm like, I got to get rid of my debt. So instead of spending all of my money, I decided to take a third of my paycheck and start paying off my debt. And and I took uh, another third of my money. I said, you know what? I want to build some wealth. So let me go ahead and do that. And let me start investing. So and then let me live off a third. So instead of spending it all and then some. That was my my initial plan to become a millionaire was to you know live off a third, pay off my debt with a third, and then invest a third in some different ways, and that's how I got started, man. And you know that was twenty uh, something years ago, uh, not let's say yeah twenty 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 seven years ago actually, and uh, and I was able to hit my goal of becoming a millionaire at age forty. Um, I thought that was a pretty special thing, Stuart, until I started mm-hmm. meeting all you these young millionaires that are like thirty years old or twenty five years old. And uh, really, the only difference is they started a lot earlier than I did. Some of them started. I've met some that have started at age five and uh, wow. realized that they were broke and their parents were broke. And they, they're they like, I don't want to be broke when I grow up. And that's when they started thinking about being a millionaire. And then they were millionaires at age 25. It's it's crazy how that happens. But uh, those are those kind of my journey and uh, and where I'm at today. OK, yeah. So didn't have the financial literacy taught kind of growing up and it finally came just to uh i guess a pain point to where you had to figure it out for yourself one you were looking at i guess your paycheck and maybe you were discouraged cuz how much taxes were being taken out and then all of a sudden you know everything's going to all just natural expenses that you might have and even you have kind of cheaper rent at the time and so you go to a bookstore and what what was was there a certain book or something that that you got or, or were told to get, what, what did that look like? Yeah, No, I don't, you know, what I mainly did back in those days was pick up magazines. Uh, I had developed a habit as a kid, uh, when I stayed at the convenience stores with my mom, um, there wasn't a whole lot to do while she was working. So she'd give me some odd jobs and then I'd have to just sit there for hours. So what I would do is, uh, she, fortunately for me, she had magazine racks. So they sold magazines back in that day. And I would just read everything she had on the magazine rack. And I read about fishing, read about cars. That's where I learned how to rebuild my first car engine at age 14. Um, hmm. That's what led me down the engineering path. So when I was an adult, whenever I saw something I wanted to learn about, I would just subscribe to magazines. And so, and that's what I did. I just subscribed to financial magazines like Kiplinger's Magazine and a Smart Money Magazine and just get those coming in the mail every month. And I would just soak up new information, soak up new information gotcha. and pick up those kinds of things. Um, same thing I did with, you know, cars, same thing I did with investing, same thing I did with computers. i moved from being an engineer into the computer world, uh, as part of a career change. I did that primarily through reading magazines, which I had subscribed to about five of those. And that took me from the engineering days into internet business back in like 1998. But this, this idea of expanding your mind and learning new ha- new traits and new skills is very critical for anybody's success. And I think that's one of the main things holding back 
Americans today, right? And that's one of the mm-hmm. things I was able to benefit from. Yeah, and basically your whole journey started with investing in your education, investing in your financial literacy. And I know you've probably heard people talk about five different asset classes, business, crypto, real estate, commodities, um, forgetting one, uh, paper assets. But you know the definition of an asset, anything that puts money into your pocket. So I, I view education as an asset class. The only difference is the cost, uh, the currency cost is time versus money. You can pay money for education, but you basically just spent time and maybe a little bit, bit of money subscribing to magazines, which I'm sure isn't too expensive. It's not breaking the bank or anything like that, but you were just investing in yourself. And then one thing led to another. And it seems like the first step after that was really just to take control of your money because you said a third, you know, went to paying off debt, you know, maybe investing in the future, you know, you, you really started to, I'll use a term, a term I'm sure you'll like is give every dollar a name. And so you really started to take advantage of that with your budget and then things just kind of developed from there. But really, it seems like your first step, and maybe these are even before your your kind of millionaire plan <laughs> steps that we're going to dive into, but it seems like your first step was diving into your own financial education. And then from there, taking control of your money just by knowing where every dollar is going. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the early steps and when I, I've, as I've learned better how to help other people with their money, it really starts with some foundational stuff before you even get to the learning or the the skill set development. It really starts with a mindset shift, and then you got to get things moving in the right direction. So you you have to develop a mindset shift, going, "Hey, I have, a, I can be wealthy. I don't have to be broke. I don't have to live at the level that I'm at." Um, the beautiful thing about that is the the, the process is repeatable. I've talked to over a hundred millionaires now. It all looks the same. They they all use very similar patterns to to reach that goal to go from being broke to being millionaires. So that's beautiful because it means anybody can do it, right? It's a repeatable process. So once your mindset shifts, you, you're able to start developing a vision. And what I find is that most people are stuck where they are because they of their inability to envision anything different for their future. And without a, a vision for your future, you're going to be stuck wherever you're at. And that's what I love about Dave Ramsey's material, which you and I are both familiar with, is that Dave is taking people that have no financial vision, and he's giving them a very simple vision of becoming debt-free. And that's a very achievable vision that people can get their heads around, and then they can, that can give them to draw them to action, right? And so and then he presents those actions. So for me, it's the similar thing. You got to have a mindset shift. I don't want to be broke. I think I can be wealthy. Have a vision, which is I'm going to be, uh, you know, wealthy within a certain period of time, and then put some clear steps behind that and some movement. And that really starts with that education. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I love? What I love to say is, if you want to, you want to build wealth, you got to get money smart. And you know, we spend 12 years looking at math, English, and science, or learning about math, English, and science in school. If you're going to college, get another four, you know, six or eight years of education, depending on what you do. But when you look at all of that, all that education, all that time, all that investment from your, you know, kindergarten all the way through 18 and then beyond, you really have to look go how much of that did I really spend learning about personal finance. Now today, you know, there are requirements for f- personal financial education, but most of that is fulfilled, that requirement is fulfilled with like a one semester course in personal finance, which is, you know, terrible. Mm-hmm. The one skill that you're going to use, one of the skills you're going to use for your entire life, more so than your math, more so than your English, more so than all that, is your financial education. Like w- w- when I try to talk to people, I say, hey, think about your math, English, and science, how much time you put into that. If you want to be good with money, if you want to 
you know, have something at the end of the day, you need to think about investing in your financial education just like you had to you were forced to invest in all of that other education. You know, I've got a daughter that's not very good at math and uh and I'm like, that's fine, baby. Don't don't worry, don't sweat it. You know what? I was an engineer and I learned you went into like Cal three and four and I don't even use it anymore. I haven't even used it in probably a decade and a half. And I, mm-hmm. I invested in that education, but you know what I am using still? I'm still using my financial education that I taught myself that the school didn't help me get at all. And so, you know, find out what's really important going to move your life forward and not get hung up on things maybe you're not that good at or, you know, that drag you down. But, you know, figure out what's going to gr- bring you the greatest benefit and then put your time and your mindset into those things. Yeah, well, you're definitely speaking my language. I mean, that's the purpose of this f- podcast is the financial class you should have had in high school. And it's a, it's to me just criminal. I'll, I'll, I can rant about it all day long that we don't teach finances in high school and then send them out into the world often with student loan debt. And then also you don't really have to qualify for student loan debt, but you have to qualify for every other type of debt you're going to get. Maybe we should qualify for student loan debt by maybe types of grades that we're getting in high school to earn that type of debt, things like that. But yeah, and then you you get taught a lot of stuff that you really don't need, let alone forget. Uh, and it's just wasted time and it would be a lot better suited to teach finances, personal finances in high school, in my opinion. One issue, I guess, to uh, uh, continue my rant here is that, uh, you know, how how well can the government really teach or give a curriculum for personal finances when we can't balance our own budget in our nation? So uh, that's that's tricky, too. But 100 percent with you on that topic of we need to be able to teach ourselves currently it's not in high school. So I don't know what to tell you. We got to, we got to learn these things ourselves by investing in our own education, reading books, magazines, podcasts, whatever it is, totally on board there. And every week, every week, that's the thing. Once you start going mm -hmm. down that road, it's a lifelong journey to learn about personal finance. You, you have to keep at it. You're not going to figure it all out in a in one book or one month or one magazine or one person, right? You need multiple mentors, multiple, multiple resources, and uh, keep expanding your brain. Before you jump on the next topic, I want to hit something real quick, if you don't mind. You sure. mentioned uh, it's criminal. It's criminal that we're not getting financially educated. It is criminal, and it is intentional. And uh, when you look at certain groups, you have to ask the question, you hit uh, student loan debt, like why are we uh, overinflating the cost of education when when we got pitched this concept of, oh, we should make student loan debt so it's easier for people to get their college education. Well, what happened when you put money into a system like that is it inflates or balloons the value of that. It overinflates it. So, for example, I've counseled some people who have had uh, $200,000 in student loans. And the education they got probably wasn't worth more than fifty or sixty thousand dollars in income a year, mm. and and that's very very out of balance. And how does that happen? And I would tell you that that was both criminally and intentionally done by our banking system and the way that it's tied in with all of the different uh, political systems and the education systems, right? And so who benefits from that when you look at that student loan and that cost of education? The educators do and the banking system does because they're holding the note. And then even with the student loan forgiveness, which you just mentioned, uh, who benefits from that? Again, the bankers do because all of the student loans are paid. Who suffers 
from that student loan being paid off, and that's the taxpayers, which is every American citizen that pays taxes. And so all of that load basically came in under this guise of making education more affordable, and then it ballooned the cost, and now you got all this thing. So it created a problem that should have never existed in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up with somebody else. And, and all of that, when you start to understand that, you go, why Why is that? Why is our government 23 or – and now I'm sorry. I think it's over $30 trillion in debt right now. All of us know that's a bad problem. When you look at the amount of GDP that comes in to the system and the tax dollars, and you go, that 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 balance sheet, as you said, is a bankrupt balance sheet – for any American, like if you looked at yeah. that level of debt for any American, you'd be like, you're bankrupt, man. You're like, you were like bankrupt $20 trillion ago. That's, that's a fact. And then you have to go, why is that being allowed to happen? And I would, the only answer I could come up with, and it's not because these people are stupid. They're not stupid. So the other answer is it's intentional. It's an intentionally done thing. And then you have to go down the road of, you know, why, and uh, that's beyond the scope of your show today. But but I think that's something people need to understand in the personal finance space as they're learning about their money. And uh, I've got a great resource I love called The Creature from Jekyll Island. I don't know if you've read that book, but that's a fantastic book. Yeah, if you do it, do it on audiobook, man, because it's a 20-hour audiobook. Ooh. And uh, you'll never finish it if you read it. <laughs> At least yeah. I haven't. I'm, I'm going through the audiobook. But anyway, I just wanted to say those because it ties in with some of the points you hit earlier. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I agree. I don't know necessarily where I land on how intentional versus um, uneducated maybe certain politicians are, because I think it would be I re, I've learned to really like to vote for politicians who have done some sort of business. I don't know, like they've had that responsibility and compared to someone who's just trying to earn votes over and over and over again and just playing a game, you know, like. When I see someone who's run a business successfully, that, you know, screams good economic principles to me. There may be other things that they have to work on or other things that are out of touch. But um, overall, I've personally really come to enjoy those things because I don't think those people are necessarily also running politics to be a politician to for a career or to make money like they've got money <laughs> they mm-hmm. they built their own business and so you know there there can be kind of a, a good patriotic heart from that too but yeah definitely definitely not uh, i guess the topic of this show so um you know you you talked about just kind of switching gears here you talked about um how the millionaire plan the blueprint really is kind of the same for everybody you know things shift here and there but anyone can do it. And I heard a stat recently that like 86% of millionaires are self-made, meaning it wasn't trust fund money. They didn't win the lottery, whatever it is, they're self-made, starting a business, maybe working your way up in professional uh, sports or whatever, whatever, you know, your, you know, stream of income is for your millionaire status. But I think that's an interesting point that you mentioned. And so you always, you've um, talked about, 10 different steps that it takes to, I guess, have your millionaire plan or to get to your millionaire status that you want. So go ahead and I guess let's start diving into those and take us through kind of start to finish of how our listeners can create a millionaire plan for themselves. Yeah, great, Stuart. I appreciate that. And and the first two steps, I think it's real critical to understand not every step is about money, right? Because some of that's about life foundation. Um, 
and and I start out with the first key millionaire key is called uh you got to develop strong character because I've seen people come and go with wealth and it was came down to character issues right five dimensions of character which my parents really helped me with was integrity responsibility work ethic uh, self discipline and focus those are things that I really picked up from my parents that I think were foundational I could go through twenty different levels of character but those are the five that I felt were like the most important that you have to pay attention to right um. The average person watches about in America like 130 hours of television a month. Um, that's a full time job, and you, if you're if you're doing that, you're not going anywhere in your life. Like you're just gonna stay on the gerbil wheel, and you're gonna work and spend your money all the time. Which leads me to millionaire key number two, which is time management. You need to maximize your time. Um, everybody's born with the same amount of time, right? And uh, it's how we use it. So when you look at a millionaire, we talked about the process. When you look at people that go from broke to millionaire, there are specific things they do with their time that yield results. Most people spend their time in things that produce no long-term value for their lives. Like if you watch a television show, it's entertainment, but it's not doing anything for your future. Um, it may give you a little bit of uh, bonding with whoever you're watching it with. Like my daughters right now are watching some detective shows, binge watching some stuff <laughs> with my wife. And they're bonding, and they'll have that memory for the rest of their lives. That's a good investment of time, I think, uh, because it's creating a memory um, for them. But if that's all they did with their time, which I'm starting to talk to my daughters about how they can redeem their time and put, you know, effort into things that build value, your time can deliver, uh, returns for you just like your money can. And you have to understand that. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, I was a video gaming addict. And so I probably spent, even as a millionaire in my twenties and thirties and forties, I would probably have spent 10 to 20,000 hours playing video games in three decades, over three decades. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, fortunately, that wasn't all I did with my time. I worked very hard. I studied. I learned new things. Sure. But I often think to myself, like, what, how much further along could I have been if I had spent that 10, 20,000 hours of video game time? And entertainment time, you know, videos and uh, other things. I was a big movie buff, so I spent a lot of hours in there. How much more could I have accomplished if I had learned to redeem that time? And I'm still at 52 uh, trying to do better at, you know, using my time wisely, but it's very easy to slip into bad things. But anyway, those are the first two keys. Uh, yeah, develop and, strong character, maximize your time. And if I can jump in there, just character, obviously, definitely important, you know, just do things the right way and, and don't try to cheat people or anything like that. The been uh, my dad, I'll give him a shout out. His favorite quote was always a lazy man's work is always the hardest. So don't try and cheat your way to millionaire status or anything like that. You gotta, you gotta do things the right way and it's going to take hard work no matter what, uh, what, what is it? They say success is the currency of hard work or, um, it was something like that. Hard work is the currency of success. That's what it is. I had it backwards, but then with the time management, talked about it on, on this pad, podcast, but I just think of time as a currency because you spend it, you invest it, and it's the same as money. You spend it, you invest it, you use it, and time has the same qualities as money as a currency. So I just look at it like budgeting your time. You know, there's nothing wrong with video games. There's nothing wrong with TV, whatever your hobbies are, whatever your, you know, things are that you like to do. It's just, are you in control of your time? Same as you said earlier of you know, one third of your paycheck was going to X, Y, Z, paying off debt, whatever it is. Okay. 
Well, are you making sure that with your time, you're in control of it? You have maybe invested some time into whatever you're wanting to learn through reading, podcasts, yada, yada, yada. And then you can have fun and because you got to have spend money. You got to have money that is just fun to use and you're spending on going out with friends or going to events, things like that. Same thing with your time. And so that's how I always look at that. So I think those are great first two steps that um, are in the millionaire's plan. And I think people think, oh, it's not. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Well, time, just think of it like a currency. That That's the easiest way. I always like to think of it and tell it to people. But yeah, let's continue with your steps. Yeah. Well, let me add one more thing to that on the time. It came to me while you're talking. I need to put this into a blog article or a tool for somebody. But if you could just look at your time on a daily basis and go, what are the one, two or three things I'm going to do every day that are going to stack up and return my time back to me or return dividends to me? Like, you know, when you think about, hey, we've talked about educate yourself, like learn something new every day. That's a habit and a use of your time that you can do every day that will return stuff back to you. And if you can make that part of your daily ritual or your weekly ritual or your monthly ritual, you're going to end up in a really good place. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. You don't have to be super strict, but that would be one. But identify mm-hmm. those one, two, or three things that you can make sure are getting done every day that yeah. are going to return back to you some kind of value versus letting your time slip away. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect with your time every day. Perfect time use is super regimented. But, you know, if you can get a little bit of return, just like I said, I spent 20,000 hours probably doing video games and other entertainment, going to the movies every weekend, those kinds of things, and uh, watching DVDs. When Netflix came out, man, I was a DVD hog when Netflix was out. (laughs) And I had to stop doing that, right? Uh, But that's a big thing. So key number three is uh, get money smart, which we've already talked about. Just get in a habit of learning new things about money all the time. Uh, I did a really good job of that from from about 20. 25 to 30, um, I kind of stagnated. After I got to 30, I kind of was executing my plan and I stagnated for about 10 or 15 years. The last six years, I've been uh, soaking up new information like crazy and I've gotten into cryptocurrencies. I've become a more avid real estate investor. I'm learning more about real estate. Uh, So many different ways, a dozen different ways to invest in real estate. Mm -hmm. Most people just think of it as one way to invest in real estate, but no, there's dozens of ways to do it. Right. So make sure you continue to learn new information and get money smart. uh, Millionaire key number four uh, is find a money mentor. Um, I did not have a mentor. Uh, I had magazines and I taught myself and then learned with the school of hard knocks, right? I made a lot of good choices, a few bad ones. You're going to go a lot farther, a lot faster if you can plug into some kind of mentoring system. And uh, it's, you know, with the internet and the way things are today, it's a lot easier today than it was back when I started. Um, so do that. Find a, a money mentor. And you may have several money mentors over time. You may not stick with the same one forever, right? So yeah. some people, you know, when they jump into Dave Ramsey's funnel, they're in there for 20 years. Uh, my encouragement would be to, you know, dabble a little bit with Dave, dabble a little bit with Robert Kiyosaki, uh, get into some Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone is more about business and real estate. Robert is uh, more about real estate. Dave's more about getting ready your debt and getting in mutual funds. But, you know, look at some of these different mentors and take a little bit from all of them. They all have something useful to offer and, uh, you know, expand your mind, continue to expand your mind. Once you get through those first four keys, I call those the foundational keys, which is really get your foundation under you. Then I start moving into basic financial information, like, you know, watch your money, which is budgeting. So you learn how to budget. Um, 
avoid and get out of debt. I like avoid debt. And then I have two chapters there, one for avoid, one for get out, but there it's the same key. It's just debt related. Like what's, how do you use debt? You know, you'll hear, you've probably heard this on your show as well. There's good debt and bad debt. Right. Um, I won't get into arguments about that. Um, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a no debt guy myself, so I avoid debt whenever I can, but, uh, I will acknowledge that if you look at people who are no debt people and people who do manage their debt well, when they're successful, they'll end up with more value. They'll end up with more wealth, and, and it's sure. just math, 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 mathematically how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you do it well, but it also people get burned. And then you get right. into. I'll fast forward to the last one. Uh, well, so that's step five. Is what, uh, just sorry to jump in, but that's step five on your steps no, is kind of s- avoiding yeah. no, slash no, being in control with your debt. Yeah, that's step six, actually. Millionaire key number five is uh, watch your money. Millionaire key number six is uh, okay. avoid and get out of debt. So and then to get ahead. practical, is there what? Um, so first with the money mentor, how do you recommend finding a money mentor outside of things like a podcast? Do you have any specific, maybe practical recommendations for that? Yeah, absolutely. So I would start with your circle of friends and people you're around you. You know, dads, a lot of people, uh, that's the low cost, no cost way is to go, hey, would you mind money mentoring me? Would you like uh, show me some things or know some things? Now, if you don't have access to somebody like that, you could start with a you know your boss or something. You have to watch boundaries there. But if you've, you're working for a successful business, um, you can start there and go, hey, could you? Are you reading any money books? Is there anything you could teach me? Just reach out to people locally that are in your inner circle or that are close to you. That's close proximity. Uh, for me, I didn't have anybody in my family that could teach me anything. They're all you know terrible with money. So I had to look outside of that circle. Uh, next, I would look at paid for options. You could look at, um, you know, money mentors, their groups. I've got a friend, uh, Jeremy Newsom, who I'll recommend. He teaches people how to swing trade, day trade. Uh, he's got some great, amazing programs. He made his first investment when he was six years old. You can pay to be in his group. Wow. <laughs> it's like uh, 300 bucks a month to watch him do his stuff. And uh, he's a great mentor. I He's much better at that kind of stuff than I am. But those kind of groups exist all over the place. Uh, you can find those. Yeah. I highly recommend his. Another one I'm plugged into is a guy named Dion Pouncil with Money School. Um, he does a similar thing, has a trading room you can plug into. Okay. Um, so if you if you want to get into real estate, uh, look for a local group. You know, uh, you can right. plug into uh, Real Estate Investment Tennessee as a group. Um, they have these local groups and the online groups, so you can look at those and, and find some people. But yeah, so you have a free version. Look for the free version first, then go to a paid for version, and uh, and look for that. And uh, fit what fits your budget. Now, let me give a warning about financial advisors because money mentors and financial advisors, I view them as two separate things. Financial advisors are usually uh, trained and coached to push all your money into one type of investment, which is an equity investment in mutual funds in the stock market. A money mentor is somebody who has more experience on a broad scale. They might be into real estate. They might be into crypto. They might be into all these different things. And so you have to understand the difference between those two. And I would say the same thing about financial planners too. So you want to understand the mentor that you're relying on and how they are going to have a natural bent towards one specific area of personal finance. And uh, as I tell people, nobody cares more about your money than you. So Mm -hmm. if you don't take time to learn about it and care about it, don't expect somebody else to do a better job um, by offloading it to them. You, you have, you have to do your own responsibility, but those are, those are kind of the ways to get started with a money mentor. Yeah. And I agree. Try and find a, if you can find someone in your inner circle, just know someone who's maybe doing what you want to do and see what, 
see what they might have you do and you don't need to take a lot of their time or anything before you start paying for coaches and things like that i I just would be careful and conscious of that try you know listen to podcasts read books for a couple months do your own thing before just trying to go to i don't know a coach of some sort and then when you have there's a recent guest on a podcast who he talked about how he was young and you know he he had someone i think it was at his work and he was just like hey you know can you mentor me a little bit with money and he was just like hey here's rich dad poor dad go read that yeah and then came back and, and then come back to me with questions and and that's literally how it may work and then you may have more questions and deeper questions and things like that but yeah i agree with finding someone maybe in just around you through context of some sort just doing what you want to do and ask them questions but okay so good points on number four finding a mentor number five watching your money uh, you know just being conscious about where it's going kind of giving every dollar giving every dollar a name six is debt and just kind of being in control of your debt or if you want to eliminate debt make sure you're eliminating any bad debt things like that uh and then take us through points uh seven through ten uh, once you get past those you go into uh keep your expenses low right and so your expenses when people's income go up they tend to let their expenses drift and so they don't really watch or control their money well um and so things get away from them so like if you make if you're used to making 10,000 20,000 30 40 50,000 dollars a year and all of a sudden you make 60 our tendency is to spend it and overspend it and if mm-hmm. you could take that 10 grand or whatever that loose capital is that you have and go hey my first inclination and this goes back to uh to uh watching your money because I have a very unique way of looking at at the money and budgeting process. And part of that is you need to think wealth first. You need to think wealth money first. That's a category on my budgeting system. And so when you keep your expenses low as your income goes up, you can actually put that money first towards wealth money. Don't go say, oh, I can go buy a new car. I can afford that Corvette or I can afford right. whatever that thing is but or that trip, whatever that is. Go, I need to take this 10 grand and understand the real value in it, right? So, and that's the time value of money, which you're familiar with. So if you invest $10,000, you know, and let's say you're 30 years old, you got about 35 years before you retire, that's going to double, even on a bad investment, should double, um, you're going about five times. So you're going from 10 grand to 20 grand to to 40 grand to 80 grand to 160 Mm -hmm. to 320. So if you're 30 years old and you spend $10,000, you're actually spending about $320,000 in in future future dollars through compound interest and investing. Gotcha. So yeah. and so most people look at that 10 grand today and go, "Oh, I need to go spend this 10 grand." No, 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 no. You need to understand that that 10 grand you just spent on whatever that thing is you bought, you know, new car which you paid a, a interest on and paid premium price for, uh you didn't really need it, but you bought it anyway. That's actually a $320,000 car expenditure, not a $10,000 car expenditure. So it's very important to understand that. After yeah. uh, keep expenses low, you get into uh, save and invest aggressively, and uh, that's where you just—that's what I just said, which is you know you need to take your money and go. No, I don't need to invest fifteen percent a year like the financial advisors tell me to invest. I need to think about how to um, get as much invested as I possibly can. Maybe it's twenty percent, maybe it's thirty, maybe it's forty, it's maybe fifty percent. It depends on where your income is, but you have to develop that mindset. And then behind that is boost your income. So that's millionaire key number nine, boost your income. So mm. don't settle for a $50,000 year salary. The most money I'm aware of that my mother ever made in life was probably between thirty-five dollars and $40,000 in her lifetime. She mm. passed away in 2016. My dad's was a little bit higher than that. He's 72, still working full-time. 
Okay. My income was based off of what my understanding was of where they were. Okay. I never understood as a young man that my income could hit a hundred grand, 250 grand, $500,000, and even a million bucks. The -hmm. reality is now where I am today, I realize that our incomes are infinitely uh, expandable, but it's based on our mindset, how we use our time, how we invest in ourselves. It's really limited by us. Our incomes are limited by us and our mindsets. And so I really challenge people to go, hey, think about how you could add $10,000 on your income next year. And then when you hit that, think about how you add 10,000 more, 10,000 more, 10,000 more. And as long as you have that mindset, it's not that you're chasing money. It's the reality of you can work 2,000 hours a year, like most people, and make 50 grand, or you can work 2,000 hours a year and make a million dollars. It's the same amount of time. It's not that you're chasing money. It's just that you've learned how to use your time to make more money. And it's just a skill that you develop and uh, that's possible. And then the last key, Stuart, is you take all that information from keys one to nine and you package it together and you go, now I know how to invest. Now I know how to earn. Now I know how to uh, pay off debt and use debt. Um, and now I'm going to set a goal. And so I believe that when you tie all those things together, you can predict when you're going to become a millionaire plus or minus one year. So those are essentially the 10 steps that you lay out to become a millionaire. You're kind of creating your own blueprint and you see a lot of other millionaires follow those same steps. And after just kind of hearing them all, I I would agree. It starts with, you know, kind of the non-money things of character, time management, things like that, get a money mentor. And then you really start to take control of your own finances, building a margin, having more to invest, finding ways to boost income with maybe it's business, maybe it's getting a pay raise. And then you're able to really attack whatever goals you want to do. So anything else to add to those 10 steps that you've laid out for us? No, I think it's pretty simple. I, I do want to drive home the idea that it's a process. It's a mindset. Like it does really start with the mindset and the vision. And uh, mm-hmm. what's interesting is most people, like I said before, don't have their own vision. And here's the sweet thing about all this, Stuart. I was 25. How smart do you think I was at 25 years old? And I'll tell you, <laughs> not very, not very, not very. It doesn't matter. Because what I did, the key, the key element was I got moving in the right direction. And as long as you keep moving in the right direction for long enough, you're going to end up somewhere that's positive. And so I didn't have all the answers at 25. I don't have all the answers at 50. But I have more answers at 50 than I did at 25. But you know what? I had just enough answers at 25 to get moving towards my goal. And then along the way, I learned more and I figured out more and I got more experience and, and the, you know, the world kind of opened up. So there, there are no obstacles that somebody else has not already overcome. The question is, will you overcome your obstacles? Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's the power of this and why I really harp on this concept of anyone can become a millionaire. Why not you? I think the last thing I add to it is just a new learning for me that I've come up with in the last three years, which is. Don't just learn how to make, manage, and multiply your money. Learn how to make, manage, and multiply your money with a purpose. And what mm. I mean by that is as you're as you're so focused on your own finances, realize there's there's a valuable principle of having wealth. And so let as you're learning how to build wealth, also grow this purpose up alongside that to go, you know what? The world needs help. You know what? There's 150 million orphans on the planet who need help, right? We support some orphans. There is 45 million people trapped in human trafficking today, both labor trafficking and sex trafficking. 4.5 million women in sex trafficking 
uh, I'm sorry, 4.5 million people caught in sex trafficking, and like 98% of those are women. And then young women, the average age of a sex trafficking victim is about 14 years old. And hmm. when they get pulled into human trafficking, they have an average lifespan of seven years, Stuart. Wow. So if they get pulled in at 14, they have a lifespan of about 21 years old before they're di- they're di- they've died from something, complications or abuse or something that's happened. Those are big purposes, man. And and it guess what? That's that's a big industry. The, the human trafficking industry is about a $250 billion industry. Okay. The the orphans need help. There's a lot of problems that need to be solved. And I'm a big believer that if the good people don't have the money, then the bad people do. And when you when you when you sit around and go, why are we having all these problems? Problem. So I'm a real encourager. Don't just learn how to make, manage, and multiply your money. Learn how to make, manage, and multiply your money with a purpose. That's why I've created the Purpose of Wealth events. Uh, they're only in Nashville right now. We're hoping to expand that in the future. But uh, those are the big things, man. Those are the things yeah. I leave your audience with. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You got to have purpose behind the wealth. It can't just be so you can spend on whatever you want to blow on, like a new car, or a new nice house, things like that. Nothing wrong with those things, but your your vision probably falls a little bit sh- short and you probably don't attack it as hard as you might if you have a bigger why behind it and yeah unfor- it it is what it is the people with the money can help solve the problems you know even if people want to go help with whatever it is human trafficking um orphanages things like that well those have to be funded some way it, you, there's people that are boots on the ground that may help out but that has to be funded some way. And then the more money that that industry can be given to help it, the easier it can be combated. And so, you know, you have more of that opportunity to give if you do achieve things like millionaire status. And I love how you're on a path to 10 million and hopefully 100 million. Dream big. Why not? I don't see a purpose of dreaming small. That's no fun. You only get one shot at this life. So might as well use it dreaming big. So, man, it's been a great episode having you on. A lot of wisdom for sure. Great hearing your story. Just to close out here, how can any listeners reach out if they want to follow you or be in contact? First of all, let me encourage everybody that's listening uh, to go pick up my book at Amazon.com. Uh, that's where I, it would help me the most for people to go check it out. So that's the millionaire choice dot or the the millionaire choice at Amazon.com. If you want to get on my show, I do uh, not my show, but my my call. I do a free coaching call every day. I set aside, and uh, you can book a free money mentor call with me at the millionairechoice.com. And and check that out. Uh, you'll find a, a place to sign up, and if you want to be part of that, and then uh, TonyBradshaw.com is my pers- own personal blog and resource site. So those are the three ways to follow up and stay in touch with me the best. Perfect. Well, I will put those into the show notes. And thanks for coming on the podcast. And we'll definitely have to stay in touch. Take care, sir. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Vision U. If this is something that added value to you, then please subscribe, leave a review, and share. We are passionate about teaching financial literacy so you can learn to take control of your financial future. If you want to learn more, then follow us on social media platforms at MoneyVisionU. We look forward to catching you in the next class.